The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United. I'm part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett, who, like me, was at Old Trafford on Sunday afternoon as Manchester United won their fourth game in a row in... It was enjoyable circumstances, Rob, wasn't it? 3-1 over Arsenal, the five-game Premier League champions at the start of this season. And Man United... Although they were under the cosh for some parts of that game, really picked Arsenal off at times and managed to secure a relatively glorious win. How are you, Rob? I'm good. And yes, very, very nice to actually be at Old Trafford for the game and to experience that atmosphere. It was something we hadn't kind of felt for a while at United, and obviously that uh, the team beat Liverpool not so not so long ago. But this Arsenal game has got you know it's got special connotations about it, and this Arsenal team is very good. So I think to actually pick them off and actually win the game in the way that they did was fantastic. But as you said, twelve points now from twelve, the heady heights pushing towards a solidified Champions League spot. Yay, we're finally doing something that looks like football. And uh, it's uh, in one side, it's shocking. And on the other side, it's kind of comforting that you're thinking, well, maybe if they do work for it, if they do run around for each other, you might win some football matches. So that's starting to feel good. There's a kind of, I think, a real kind of solid feel good factor building at Man United. Well, you know, Rob, Arsenal did win the league after five straight wins. They and did. If Man United beat Crystal Palace, that's five straight wins. Yeah, I'm sure they had the bus parade as well around North London to to celebrate their their you know five games in a row top of the league championship and good luck to them on that. As I said just before, they're a very very good football team. But yeah, United beat Palace. It's it's like when these things each game now last year you you kind of like each game had this dread attached to it, and you would go, well, that team in 16th beat them, but we can't. Uh, and and it felt like that, didn't it? Almost every match. Now it's kind of the other way. It's like, well, Arsenal are champions of the world. We beat them. Liverpool are, are you know, champions of the known universe. We beat them. And you kind of roll with it a little bit more. I think Palace might give United significant problems in the next match. But but overall, it feels like United are getting getting comfortable in their own Ten Hag skin. If you're listening or watching, you should probably know that Harry Simeu, who is an Arsenal fan and works with me quite a lot uh, on the 90 Min YouTube channel, is actually the producer and sits behind the scenes as we record this. And we just sent a message into the chat of behave yourselves. Not trying to rub it in too much, Harry. But, uh, you know, 
it was a United fans have not had too much to uh, get excited about for a nothing. while. Um, nothing, nothing to get excited nothing. about. Yeah, <laughs> buying Before, a Ronaldo shirt. I think most United fans have been doing last year. That was like winning the title for some. Yeah, so we're just uh, we're just gonna milk it a little bit. I think, uh, although realizing that this is by no no stretch of the imagination the finished article is still things that Eric Ten Hag needs to fix, uh, but. You know, at least something we've complained about for a long time, being unable to pass the ball, not giving 100% maximum effort, not being committed. These are things that we're now starting to see. And if that is a foundation and a base to build off, then great. Everything else can come later. Uh, We'll talk today about more fallout from the Arsenal game. What's changed to make these wins possible? We'll talk Anthony Erickson, Rashford, they're like some McTominay, Bruno, Casemiro, Ronaldo, and a potential rotation for the next game in the glorious Europa League as Man United play on Thursday night against Real Sociedad. Uh, and you can subscribe to our show if you haven't already, wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. And you can watch us twice a week on YouTube on Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to the channel, hit the like button, join the community, leave a comment, and subscribe. And you can follow us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. Rob, you were at the Arsenal game. So was I. I was in the press box, but you were um, in your usual seat. How did it go down for you? How, how, what was? Let's, let's look at the emotional side of it to start with as a, as a fan. I mean, Arsenal really bossed the ball for a long time, long periods, and up to the point where they equalized, they were, they were very much worth the, their equaliser as it came. But uh, did, what, what were you feeling like when Arsenal were on top? Did you feel like this game was getting away from United or do you think they managed it well? Well, let's start in the warm-up. So I'm always there for the warm-ups, to watch them, to see what they're doing, anything different, try and take some mental notes, tactics, who looks up for it, who's doing the right stuff. And even in the warm-up, Scott, it feels like there's some kind of more control, like they're practicing things that you might see on the pitch. And lo and behold, when the game started, you started to see it. Manchester United linking together, working hard together, closing down space, passing the ball, all the good stuff. But as you said there, Arsenal took the game over. And there's no doubt that Arsenal dominated the match for, for large sections of it. But this is, I think, the difference when you look at, say, two different projects. You've got one that has youngsters, but also has experience. And then maybe something like Arsenal, which I think is kind of a bit more grassroots. And I think Arsenal ran out of the kind of mental fortitude that they needed to win the game. That's kind of, what I think, where the whole thing went. I, I include Arteta with that as well. So they controlled the match. Man United had to fight. There was a lot of kind of midfield battling going on. But what happened was that United prevailed by sticking to their plan. And Arsenal deviated from their plan. That was it. And I think that was that's the result in a nutshell. And I think that's something that Arsenal will learn. And it's good to see Man United after such a few games under Ten Hag and few kind of home matches that they can use the atmosphere in that way and stick to it and still keep going. Because I think that was the real key to the result. Winning 3-1 on paper might flatter United. But when you look at the two XGs, which we talk about a lot now in modern game, they were pretty much level. So Arsenal didn't really outshoot United. So uh, just a really, really good day in terms of feeling and coming out of that stadium and hearing everyone singing and, uh, and, and feeling that this is the start of something. You know, we said, didn't we? You know, at the start of the season, it just feels the same. 
it switched. It did switch. I mean, I said um, before the season started, let's remember that these players are not as bad as we think they are and that they as as bad as they perform for a long time. Now, I know that there's a lot of new players in there, but you take Marcus Rashford as an example, scored uh, two and one assist. Didn't have the best day overall in terms of his performance. But, you know, we know that Rashford can do that and he hasn't been getting those opportunities. I think he's like two goals shy already this season of his tally from last. Yeah, and it's players like this. You know, Jaden Sancho didn't have a great day, but Bruno Fernandez, key contributions again. Uh, Scott McTominay looks like he's got instructions, like he's been his energy has been channeled properly. So United have got a manager now who is giving them basic instructions. But you did you did talk uh, just now, Rob, about the game plan. How far of a departure is Eric Ten Hag's game plan from Sunday from his ideal game plan? I actually don't think it's miles off because the philosophy and the setup and the all of the kind of key performance indicators that he wants to see are there. It's just, can you make them completely consistent? The reason why Liverpool and City over the last few years have done so well is their consistency in the stuff that they do well. Yeah, it's not just that they do it once again. It's just that they do it non-stop. It's metronomic. So United are not there yet. Like, you know, they're not a metronome of football just yet, but they are showing that they've got tactics and that they are playing their manager's style of football. And the less they deviate from Ten Hag football, the better. That's the way I look at it. Against Brentford, they completely deviated away. They did. It was like, well, we're not going to press. We're not going to do anything. Oh, we're a bit sad again. You know, this is not going to work. Hands on hips. And you lost 4-0. Against Arsenal, a really good Arsenal team who, you know, danced around the pitch with the football for most of it. You managed to find a way and you beat them 3-1. And they're the ones coming away, licking their wounds, and you're feeling really good about yourself. So I, I think that that we're not a million miles away. We played 4-2-3-1 in the end, which was is not a massive departure from the 4-3-3 he has been playing. Um, and I think we're just going to see that non-stop. It's what he did at Ajax. It's exactly the formation he played at Ajax, but just with different personnel. And in some cases, not different personnel. <laughs> what about the control of the game or lack thereof? Do you think he's... Because they... Arsenal had the majority of the ball. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah. What What do United need to change? Is that um, Is that something that Ten Hag will... He's, he's obviously going to want more control of games in the future, isn't he? How does he go about doing that? He does that through training and signings. And that's just kind of as basic as that. So the transfer window is now closed. So there's no point talking about the future signings just yet. We need to kind of see what they're doing on a football pitch. But you just said there about having the ball. There is no point in having the ball if you lose the match. There just isn't. So I'm not kind of downplaying possession because possession is really important. But possession is much more important when it leads to goals and opportunities and winning football matches. Possession becomes negligible when you look at the stats. Arsenal had the had the majority of the ball, but they had it on the halfway line. Yeah, they had it on the halfway line and in the wider areas, which Manchester United were deliberately pushing them into. So... It, it, you know, Arsenal want to play through the middle because when they do, they cut you in half. And you saw that actually with the, the Martinelli goal that wasn't given. You know, the ball is one. It's a counter press in the centre of the park. It goes one pass, two pass, they're in, goal. That's what Arsenal would ideally like to do. But Man United pushed them into wide areas for most of the game and let them have the game. 
So that stat is going to reflect that Arsenal had more of the ball, but they didn't have more of the goals, did they? So Man United scored three, Arsenal scored one. And Arsenal overall didn't really threaten David De Gea too much over the game. I think De Gea made one or two decent saves in the game. But it wasn't free-flowing Arsenal football that we may be seeing in recent weeks against lesser teams. So that's a positive to me. You know, I think that that if you can manage a game like that against a team like Arsenal, then you're on to a winner. Yeah, and like I've, I've said this as well, like teams like Manchester City have won league titles and, you know, ground out victory after victory, 18 victories in a row or whatever by playing their ideal way. But one of the... It might change this season, but one thing I've been critical of the likes of Man City of in the past is not having a game plan to fall back on if theirs isn't working. And United have exploited that a number of times over the years with other managers. Yeah. I'm encouraged in the fact that United don't have to have 70% of the ball the entire time and can find a different way to win if it means that's the foundation that they can fall back on if their plan in the future isn't working. It's a yeah. nice base to have established. But it's also important to highlight that this was not like a smash and grab. It wasn't. So it wasn't like where Ole had outthought Guardiola in certain parts of it and Guardiola's team wanted to keep the ball and move it around and play their game. As you said, having no plan B, so you lose the game to Man United because they score one or two really good goals. This game, I think, was relatively even. As I said, the XGs were pretty much bang on. They were you know, spot on for both sides. Um, and, and I think it's more important here that United can go out and fight teams. Because this is what it was of Arsenal, is that a team like Arsenal can overwhelm you with their possession. But if you put their possession in less dangerous areas, let them have the ball. It's fine. They can have 70% of the possession if uh, 90% of that possession is 50 yards from your goal. That's okay. There's no problem with that. So there's no doubt that Ten Hag will want to have more possession in, in the months and years to come. If he's still at the football club, obviously, then that is the style of play he wants to play. But it's very different, isn't it, Scott, to like the Van Gaal system. So like Van Gaal being Dutch, Ten Hag being Dutch, we kind of make that comparison. Van Gaal's system was much slower, much more kind of conservative, much kind of more playing from that centre-back out. That's not what we're seeing with, with Ten Hag. United are actually fighting teams. And when they fight teams, I think they actually play their best football. Man United fighting for the victory. Arsenal, lots of possession, but not doing enough. Yeah. Is this a throwback to 2006? 2000, well, when, when are the, let's say 2008, 2009. I, I, do you know what I felt? I, I just had visions from my seat on the halfway line. Remember, Arsene Wenger stood on the dugout opposite. Mm. And, and 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 that period for Arsenal is not the same as today, but that they were a ticky tacker team. Yeah, they want they wanted to pass the air out of the ball, and if we lost one 0 it doesn't matter. We we had ninety nine percent possession, so yay. I don't think Arteta is like that at all. But you saw that when they made the substitutions, they completely ran out of ideas. You know, their ideology of how they play and their philosophy just kind of unravelled a bit. And United were a bit like last fifteen minutes. We were like, this is ours now. We've got this. It never felt at 3-1 that Arsenal were going to make some surge to come back into the game. So that's something that Arsenal have to address because you, you can play so much against certain teams and win those games and that's fine. But when you have to have a plan B, you've got to execute it. Arsenal clearly at the moment don't have a plan B and that really hurt them in this match. So that's United's fourth win in a row after yeah. losing 4-0 at Brentford. Many people will have their own answers for what's changed. 
Gary Neville, I've seen him do enough clips over the last couple of days where he's been saying, I don't know what's changed. So I'll ask you, Rob, what's changed? Do you know what's changed is that in any walk of life, especially in business, if you have a good leadership at the top, it empowers everyone in that business. And that's what I'm seeing. So we are seeing the same players. So let Marcus Rashford, let's take Marcus because a really, really, really good example. Marcus looked absolutely miserable at the end of last season, didn't he? Getting pushed out wide on the left, not even getting the ball, not touching the ball, not getting shots off, nothing. Everything being about Cristiano, just a team completely fragmented. What's the difference now? You have 11 players out there genuinely fighting for each other. You saw the goal, didn't you? Marcus got the third and they all went together and they just stood together hugging each other for like a minute while we all sang and cried and, you know, lost our voices for this wonderful third goal. And we've not seen that, Scott. Like, we've actually seen United score goals before. A couple of high fives back to the halfway line. They're like, they just do not care. So the fact that they care, it comes from the manager. I could sit here and do an hour on tactics, but it would be a boring show for us. It's not what we want to do. So Gary Neville might say he's not seeing what the differences are. The differences are that they are set up like a proper football team from the back to the fullbacks, to the centre-forwards, centre, uh, centre to the midfield, it all gels much better. And it's the start. It's just the start. Like This is why I say don't get too high, don't get too low. Because it is just the start. Let's see where we are in six months' time. I like this manager. I think I like what he's trying to do. And I want him to stay tough with these players. He said before the game about Cristiano. And I don't want to keep cri- highlighting Cristiano. I thought he had a good game against Arsenal. But the, the quote was, sometimes I'm going to be Cristiano's friend. And sometimes I'm going to be his teacher. That was the quote. I love that. That's just what I want to hear. Because he's he's taking he's taking responsibility as the manager and as the coach. And I think maybe that's what we've not had over the maybe the last few managers who have let some of that out, delegated it out, and not been the ones doing the teaching, allowing others to take that responsibility. Yeah, Ten Hag's very headstrong. He's very clear in his messaging. Yeah. And they, remember, before he was hired, there were some doubts about how he would communicate with the wider media in general yeah. because, you know, there's a few happened to him with Ajax, happened to him in, with, in the Netherlands. Yeah. Where it wasn't... He was kind of mocked in a sense. But I think the way that he conducts himself i've been in a few of his press conferences as well the way he conducts himself the the words he chooses the Mm. messages that are continual that he sends out are on point almost all the time and it seems like when i when i look at things that have changed i think the brent i've said the brentford 4-0 having been there for that as well yeah fork in the road completely we've seen the um the news about Ten Hag making the players go for a run and him running with them. And you can talk about whether that makes a difference or not. But we know that these players have not been committed for a long time. He's made changes like Maguire and Ronaldo, you've just mentioned. They've lost their places in the team. And now Ronaldo's coming back in with what looks like a positive attitude. I don't want to say it too early because it might this might change. But positive attitude, clapping the goals on the on the sideline from the bench as Anthony scores his debut goal. Ten Hag's managed to get a hold of the team and do it his own way. Do you think that's fair? Oh, 100%. And it's interesting we talk about personalities and press conferences on one thing or another. Uh, and you said this about Ajax, and, and this was a lot of the feedback, is that, that Ten Hag doesn't want to really talk around subjects. He wants to tell you what he's doing, and that's it. 
you know, and, and you see this even in like his Sky Sports interviews, it doesn't really deviate away from what I would call the Ten Hag script, does he? He just kind of says, this is what I'm trying to do. We're going to try and do it again. And that's that. And we're doing that. It's very different to Ralph Ranick, who Ralph would actually be very expressive and talk about details and, and people would be like, oh, we love this kind of interview. You know, that's very, very kind of interesting. But interesting doesn't pay the bills. What pays the bills is football and doing it properly. So I, I'm really happy in these first months of what we're seeing. And he's kind of a little bit, Scott, I don't know if you agree with me, a bit monotonous. Like he doesn't yeah. want to go into the grandeur of football. He doesn't really want to go over the top and start bigging players up or, go, or talking too much about us doing this well or that well. He just talks about it in a very holistic way. And it's about, this was all right. We're building this. See you next week. Bye. And that's kind of what I want my manager to be. You know, Ole on the other side, what does this say? I've got United Review here. Yeah, yeah. I've got it from the ground the other day. When you talk about monotony, he said, uh, that is because they've obeyed the most important rule in any successful team, give 100%. Anything less than that is not enough. In our previous two games, this was before the Leicester game, I saw a team on the pitch. The players were well organized. They fought for each other and they got what they deserved for that. And it's that message that in... He gets more tactical and analytical than that as well. But yeah. that's the core of it, right? Yeah. And that is what we are seeing in these performances. It's fan speak. So like that there, in, you read out from the program notes. I read those as well. And when I read it, I thought he's talking to the fans in a language the fans understand. So he's not talking about systems or kind of like, you know, uh, trying to reinvent the wheel. He's saying the basics. I want my team to give 100%. And when they give 100%, oh, look, we're winning more football matches. This is, Again, this is not magic. You know, this is just kind of the basics of sport. If you give more than the other team, you've got a much better chance of winning, haven't you? So I kind of think that's where we stand with Ten Hag. And I think he'll carry on with that. I don't think he'll, he'll change his tact. He'll stay monotonous. But if you're winning games, you can. There's no pressure on that because you can just keep preaching your message. And I think you're right about Cristiano. I think we saw a much better game from Cristiano coming off the bench, a better attitude. He tweeted after the match, signing autographs, going, kind of love this club, man. You know, I'm really happy to be here. Now the window's closed. Yay. Thanks, Cristiano. I'm happy about that. I'm happy for him, you know, if he's happy himself. So if we can get performances out of Ronaldo and all of the squad, then I think United are on to a winner. I like this manager. I really do. This is why I wanted him. You know, originally, I, I like the idea of having a tracksuit manager that will get on the football pitch and do the running. Say, so, do you know what, guys? I want you to run today, but I'm going to run with you. And do you know what? I'm going to outrun you. It's kind of the stuff that Klopp does. Yeah, Klopp gets in with his team in the trenches and they trust him because of that. And I think we're seeing that trust being built at Manchester United. Yeah, I'm recalling this uh, just off the top of my head, but I think he was asked that in his post-match and he said that's one part of it, but there's also, you know, the the fact that he did that with the players. He didn't yeah. he essentially confirm that it happened. And just the uh, whispers as well. Sorry, on top of this, Scott, one of the things we heard about, you know, like Martinez, when we see Martinez's performances, is that he he took what was said by the press and specifically Graham Souness and put it back to the player and said, are you going to let these people say you're not a good player? And the player went, Right, let's get on with it. And you I need love that. him, honestly. Like, That's what you need. You need someone that plays the psychology game. That's what Guardiola does in all his presses. Do you notice? He always does that. When, he, when he's trying to talk up a player, he changes the dynamic of it. He starts talking in different terms. And it motivates his players. So a player might have played well, 
but he won't talk about those things. He'll talk about other players. And and I see that with Ten Hag is that I think behind the scenes, he's being the puppet master. You know, he's getting in players' ears and saying, I'm sure he's done it to Ronaldo. He'll be saying to Ronaldo now, everyone thinks you can't press, mate. Do you reckon, can you press? Can you press for me today? Do it for 20 minutes and show that you can do it and score. And Ronaldo, I'm sure, with his pride, will be thinking, I'll give it a go. I'm here now. I get paid half a million pound a week. I'll give it a try. And you saw that. So I think we'll see Ronaldo back in the team at some point as well. But this is all about now trying to find a, a style of of consistent, I was going to use the word happiness, but it's that kind of, of knowing what you are, knowing that this is what we are as a team and we are a Ten Hag team and we do Ten Hag things and we don't go off script. We're not going to get upset with each other and start being like we were last year under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and under Ralph Ranić. We did. Uh, we spoke about Ronaldo in the last few weeks of the transfer window, and I know that I've said at points, if Ten Hag can convince Ronaldo that he's a squad player, he'd be a massive, actual massive asset. Of course, yeah. to Ten Hag's system, and we, mm. we've even us, we we haven't been sure that he'd be able to do that, and. Other people have demanded Ronaldo starts every single game, and they they're still even now, even even before this Arsenal game, there were issues with the squad. People want Ronaldo to start, people want Casemiro to start. Um, but Ten Hag seems to be—it's obviously only been four games, four wins in a row. So we things can change, and things will change. There's, mm. there's no doubt about that. Things there's going to be forks in the road. There's going to be difficult difficult moments. He's going to have to overcome. But in, in terms of a basis, this is a. It's a positive moment for United. And in, I'm talking there about um, starting lineups and this kind of business. Casemiro, again, was not selected to start, whereas Anthony, who signed, what, two, three days before the game, was registered in time, had two days' worth of training with United, was ported straight in. I tweeted before the game, having seen the meltdown of, where's Casemiro? Where's Casemiro? And Ten Hag knows Anthony. The reason why Ten Hag has tried to sign Ten Hag players is because he knows he needs to hit the ground running and get results, even if they're not playing his own way. And because of that, he needs players who are familiar with what his demands are, who are familiar with how he wants to play the game, where he wants them to stand, where he wants them to run. That's why Anthony started. He gave him 55 minutes and it was a mix. It wasn't the greatest debut, but it was a good debut in terms of what he contributed. I was not surprised to see him start at all. I did, you know, if I had a guess, I probably would have said he wouldn't. But I understand why. And I understand why Casemiro hasn't made his first start for United yet. And that might happen in Europa League, but we'll see. Anthony, what did he do for you, Rob, on uh, on Sunday? Because I actually just, I love the showboating. I love the five celebrations. It was, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I, I think he just gives the manager, the kind of option on the right that we just don't have at the football club. So that's not a slant at Jaden Sancho or any of the other forwards. It's just that if you want a player who can invert, allow your fullback to go on the outside and has got the skill to kind of get in the channel and finish, then you want an Anthony-type player. So I was surprised he started simply because of fitness. So he's not trained much with Ajax. He's trained two days with Manchester United, so there's not obviously a lot gone into that. It would have been just getting basic levels, fitness up to learning, maybe the grid systems are what United are trying to do on a football pitch. Okay, that's all good. But like you said, he did it because he trusts him, because he knows the player and the player knows him. And you get a core benefit from all those years of work together 
when you just want to throw someone in. So let's be honest, like it wasn't the greatest debut, but it was important massively in winning the game. Because I think if Anthony doesn't play this game, I don't know if Man United win. I really don't mm. because that opening that opening moment was like a like a tin opener. Yeah, it's like sticking the can on and turning it. And when that opened, it was like, wow, one nil, this something might happen here today. And you need more players like that, don't you, that can make those moments. A fantastic team goes. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details well for Anthony's goal and for his finish and I think that's the kind of goal that you might see on repeat over and over again because he will make that run in the channel and players will find him I actually think he'll gel really well with Cristiano I think when Cristiano plays that role and United play more of a defined 4-2-3-1 like they did against Arsenal I think they'll link really well and we saw that so so an hour he played um, you said all the skill and all the showboating it only makes sense Scott when you win right so all the loveliness only makes sense when at the end of the game you can go, we didn't concede us a goal. But what I really liked about him was his closing down, his intensity, his work rate, and his way that he positioned himself for the interception. That's what you want on the right-hand side. That's just the bottom dollar. So I was really pleased with that more than anything, as much as I was pleased with the goal. Yeah, I'm, I, wrote a, I wrote a piece for 90 Min from the ground uh, that went out the next day. And... <laughs> I also caught his interview with uh, Sky Sports after the game. Mm. He said along the lines of Anthony, we've missed a player on the right wing. All the players, they can play there like Sancho and Rashford, but they prefer the center or the left. Now we have a player who can play well from the right wing. A mi- he called him a missing link. Yeah. Now that's yeah. important. Now, obviously the, the price of Anthony is massive, but I, I always kind of understood why Ten Hag wanted Anthony. But I, I also wrote in the piece, I don't know if there's another... Let's say Elango was in that position. A, I don't know if he's in that position in the first place. And B, 
I don't know if he takes that chance when he's in that position. I put Sancho in that box. I put Ronaldo in that box because I don't think Ronaldo would be in that position either. Yeah. So I feel like that's a product of the system, the reason how Anthony came to have that chance in the first place. And he offers that option of left-footed cutting inside. And that's and at the end of the day, at the end of the day, that's how he scored the goal with his left foot. And just when you look at the shot he took, and let's get geeky for a, two seconds, that shot on goal becomes a much higher success rate with a left foot yes. striking the ball round the goalkeeper who is coming to the near post. That goes up percentage-wise massively to say Sancho, who would take the touch on the right foot maybe first and take the ball away from the goal. And that then shrinks the chance of it ending up in the net. So those percentages don't mean a lot to football fans. But when you're doing the sports science behind the scenes, it means everything. You look at that and you think, well, how can I get around that? So he is the missing link. It's a best. It's a really good way of putting it because the difference is, is that he will go and play as a winger. When you looked at his heat map after the game, he was starting on the touchline, not in the channel. Now, Man United wide forwards have started in the channel in a 4-2-3-1 for years now it's just you know going back to Ole and beyond and it gets predictable because if you're if you're a, if you're back four what do you do Scott you just tighten up the channels just get tight but if you've now got someone that can go around the outside and come on the inside and is a really good shooter from around the box and outside the box has to makes fullbacks and centre backs think a little bit differently and and Arsenal were punished for it in that moment wasn't it because again it was in transition United made two or three really good passes smart passes and gave Anthony a good opportunity on his left foot just to curl that ball in the bottom corner. And, and you know, when the ball went through and it went to Anthony, I straight away felt he was going to score because just the yeah. way he opened his body, and I thought, this is a really good chance. If he misses this, he'll be gutted. And and he just kind of slotted it away. And it, it made it look so training ground, didn't it? And Man That's United, the thing. It doesn't yeah. look like a difficult goal to score, but it, I actually think that that's practice. It's you know pure I mean? practice. What you do on a training ground a hundred times a day. That's what you do. Those little patterns and feeding you in. What do I do? You don't even think about it. The brain goes off. The eyes go up. You look where the keeper is. And you just slot it away. You don't think that you've got 75,000 people with you there. It's just what you're doing at Carrington every day. So he's only been at the team two, two days, you know, training. But he's been doing that at Ajax before. And I think he'll get more chances in the Premier League and with Manchester United and the way yeah. we play, then he went at Ajax, where Ajax, he was much more, the dictation was hold, hold the width and allow the play to kind of go go into the centre that that way. And he'll be more involved. So I think he'll enjoy Premier League life. Uh, people saying, you know, will he take time to adapt? He might still take time to adapt. I think he'll be much, much more heavily marked now. You know, I think straight away Palace and, and Sociedad and other teams coming up will say, right, we might need to man mark him and we might need to give him a little bit of a kick. So I don't think Arsenal did that very well. I don't think Arsenal marked him particularly tightly. And if he's got room to run, I think Anthony will enjoy life in England. You're talking about getting kicked, and I've seen other um, other pundits suggest, oh, yeah, I'd be straight in there giving him a kick if I was a fullback. Yeah. I just, I look at him, and I look at the way he carries himself, and I think he doesn't look like he'd be bothered by that. Now, nope. what did you like? What What do you make of his, uh, the way he carries himself, the way that he, because before he scored the goal, in that process of eighteen passes or whatever it was, Anthony got the ball and passed it backwards, and the Arsenal fans went, Way! you know, like he's, you know, just bottled it. 
Yeah. And then it came back to him. And that's part of the reason why he gave it back and celebrated five times with five yeah. different celebrations. Yeah. <laughs> Look, what do you make on, on the surface? I, I don't know how much you'd seen of him before this. Mm. What do you make of his character and the way his expression, the way he carries himself? I think in terms of character and what he's done like the last few weeks, and especially when he's talked about Manchester United, he's not just kind of tick boxes to say the right things. There is a genuine passion from him. And what I liked that Ten Hag said about him when he came to the club was saying, like, like I know the player. This boy is in love with football. He loves the game. He's there to play and entertain and show what he can do, but he's also there to work. And even just in this kind of 60 minutes short cameo, I think you saw that, that this is his kind of stage. He wants this. He's a flair Brazilian footballer, but he's not going to give away the work ethic at the same time. So I think for him, he knows that his job is to run at players, keep the ball, move the ball on, be creative, score goals, get assists. He knows all of that, but he also knows he's here to work. And I think he's up for it. And I think that's where, that's the test of character, isn't it, Scott? Is that players can come in in their good and their bad moments. But when they're at their lowest, do you still do what you're supposed to do on a football pitch? You try your most, your hardest to kind of help your team. I see him as a real acute team player. And I think that's really important. He's not come in to be a show pony. He's not. He's not going to come in and do, you know, 16 lollipops and step overs and all of this and go, well, that was my game. And I'm all right with that. I think he's here to win. And everything you've seen after the game, when he's responded to people, he's like, this is just a start. This is just a start. I enjoyed it. I was emotional. One of the best moments of my life. But I'm here to, to do this every week. That's what I want. I love all that. It's the kind of player I want at Man United. Yeah, I, I've, I've backed this sign. And I know it was... Uh, I know it You was have. You've really backed it. Definitely. Uh, I've wanted this to happen for a while. And talking about, like, just before we move on to midfield and you want to talk Christian Eriksen, mm. I've been frustrated with the right-hand side since I saw Antonio Valencia run, stop, run again, and try and cross it. Years ago. Absolutely years ago. That That's how long, how far back this problem Definitely. goes. You yeah. know? And it's refreshing to actually see a left-footed, <laughs> a left-footed right-winger. Because we've never actually had... Mason Greenwood came in and had, you know played there for a little while uh obviously not in the picture um but we've not had this kind of profile of player at all in 10 years 15 years and that's to the detriment of the owners because the owners have sanctioned a load of rubbish for 10 years so they've bought big names and shirt sellers but they've not actually bought four positions so when you had a weakness in your team, Man United would then go out and buy a player that just didn't even play that position. This is exactly what Ranić said at the end of last season when he was talking uh, about who was he talking about? Um, uh, Ahmed. He was talking about Ahmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he went, Manchester United needed this, 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 and this midfield striker, blah, blah blah. And they went and bought Ahmed. Why did they buy Ahmed? Makes no sense. Thirty million could have bought a player for thirty million up top. Now I think Ahmed is a good player and will come good, but he might not come good. He's still two years down the line or a year down the line. He's no use to Manchester United. So why spend the money in that way? So that's why I think it's completely on the owners. You're buying Anthony because you have a need for that player. You need him to do those things in that position. You bought Casemiro because you needed a central midfielder. And eventually Casemiro will start games. We know he will. We know that's the way it will go. But you're looking at the deficiencies of the team and purchasing for those deficiencies. That's what normal football teams do. You don't just go out and buy, 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 buy. So the Glazers have done that forever. They've bought shirt sellers and they've bought players that can't help the team. And then people wonder why United don't play well. 
they wonder why managers fail when they've got a set of players that can't do the stuff that they want them to do. I never understood it. Like you, you buy a player who, you know, fits the system and ends up being a success. Automatically, he becomes high profile because he plays for Man United. But it's bonkers, isn't it? It's exactly like Ole. What Ole needed last year, you know, he got three really good players, but they didn't buy for the positions that they really needed. That they didn't look at the the right back position. They looked at the central midfield. They didn't look at all these things. Even the goalkeeper, to a certain extent, you had Dean Henderson. You bring him back to your football club, and and you didn't change those things. So the, the question always has to be why. So if you lose football matches because of those reasons, because you're not addressed them, then be it on the board because the board are the ones who have to, have to sanction these things. So you've now got a different style board, but with the same 17 members of the Glazer family behind it. Can you now give the project to someone like Ten Hag and back him both in the window, but allow him to kind of implement his philosophy? So yeah, Anthony will come in. Anthony will play. Casimir will play. All the signings that are coming, Malassia is playing you know, Martinez is now a starter straight away. You're not buying players just to fluff the squad up, are you? You're buying players to actually win football matches. Speaking of, uh, not even a buy, this one. This one was a, an acquisition. Christian Eriksen yeah. for nothing. United were the highest bidders for him. Mm-hmm. United made it known that they wanted him, even though he took a, a little while to decide on where he was going to go. Slotted in the midfield since the start of the season to varying effect. I mean, we saw that game at Brentford and how it wasn't always it wasn't his fault really. He was played into those positions and made those mistakes because of uh, where he was given the ball. But now we're starting to see something that he can add, Christian Eriksen, and that is a simple vertical pass, Rob. <laughs> among other things, crazy, isn't it? Yeah, look, people rib me all the time when, I was, when they say, oh, what's your ambitions for the football club and for Man United? And I'd go, to be able to pass the ball five yards. Because I've spent 10 years of my life sat on that halfway line asking myself that question. Going, you know, Will we ever see Man United pass the ball five or 10 yards? I feel happy about that. I know I've not been happy for 10 years. So this is the thing. You, you look at Christian Eriksen. I wrote uh, an article about him uh, when he was at Tottenham. I went back and read it. And kind of was just about his skill sets and what he does. I wasn't particularly complimentary about him. I was a bit like, I was a bit like, yeah, he's really, really good. He can do all these things, but he's still the kind of like the peripheral creator at, at, at Tottenham. And these other players are taking responsibility. What you see with Christian Eriksen, and I said this last year with, with Brentford, is that he's so natural in the, his game that he can apply it to different positions. And that's actually quite rare. It's very few players that can take their skill set and do it in six places on the pitch. Very rare. You know, everything has become more specialist in football. And the players who are, you could say, your Darren Fletchers of the world, you know, your utility men, you know, in, in terms of football, what United used to do, your John O'Shea's, they're not great at anything, are they? They just kind of do the job on the day. But Ericsson is more than that, absolutely more than that. Um, I just love the way he's playing. I love the way that he creates space. I love his work rate without looking like he's busting a gut. You know, in the second half of that game, he didn't have a bead of sweat on him, but he'd run more than anyone on a football pitch on both teams. So that's just fantastic. And I know people still talk about his health and they want to talk about that because of what happened a year ago. And it was, you know, I know as a football journalist, one of the saddest things I'd ever seen. I, you know, it affected me for a long time after that game and seeing it and seeing what happened to him. He's done exactly what he needed to do. He's fixed his health. He's bounced back. And he just plays like he is a normal footballer because he is a normal footballer. 
And that's brilliant. I think he's come to Man United and I think he sees this as a massive opportunity at a huge club. And and it's, there's, like, there's kind of nowhere to go but up, is there? Like, I think he feels that. I think he's like, I play my game. I don't have to do anything particularly special. But I tell you what, I can pass a ball. You lot can't. Watch what I do. So I, I just love him already. I think I think he's been a huge uh, acquisition for Manchester United. And how much did he cost Scott? A big fat zero. Lots, lots, is made, is. lots is made of how much money United do spend. But this one is one of the could be one of the pick, pickups of the season. Fergie's favourite anyway. saying was about value in the market. There is no value in the market. That's what you say non-stop. There is value in the market. Man City have proved it with a load of their signings over the years, even though they've bought big. And Liverpool have, have, have proved it. So the top teams do actually go out and get these free agents. Again, like in basketball, you'd call them free agents. Someone whose contract's gone, but they're a great player. You can pay them a lot of money, bring them, make them a centrepiece of your team. Ericsson's going to do that. People saying, oh, will Ericsson be rotated in and out? I don't think so. I think Ericsson is going to be the, the number one name on the team sheet. Because if you haven't got a De Jong, then you absolutely need an Ericsson. It was interesting to hear from Ericsson and Ten Hag on Ericsson after the game as well, yeah. because Ericsson said, um, well, I've never even been asked to kind of trail around Martin Odegaard before. I'm not really used to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what Ten Hag did say, and the reason why we're seeing the best of Ericsson, this is a quote I picked up from him. We tell him the space is where he has to be. And the rest have to adapt to that. And we, that's, that's exactly what happened. We saw, we saw that. He'd plonk into spaces and pass the ball around the corner or yeah. pass it without hesitation, not take four touches and lose it. He can pass between the lines and give the final pass, which is something that United haven't had in the era of McFred. Totally. You know? uh, yeah. And there was a little Polaroid picture of that that I saw on, on, at the game where he was in the centre and Odegaard was kind of dropping deep for the ball. And he tracked Odegaard all the way on a press. And when Odegaard went to a less dangerous area on the right, he stopped and just went back in his position. Now, that might sound like nothing, but that's football intelligence. That's how you play the game. You're, you're looking after territory. So he's pressing the player, making sure that he knows he's there, but he's not following him all the way back over there and leaving a big space behind him. He stops. He goes, I'm thinking, I'm going back into my position. And you start again. That's what football is about. That is what City do so well, you know, spatial awareness. So I, I just think that, you know, even though he's not a central midfielder by trade, it's just that he does central midfielder things so well. And I think he'll even improve in that position. I think over the season, as he plays it more, he did play deeper for Brentford at times. You know, he wasn't a, a number 10 week in, week out. And you can see that, that Ten Hag, we talked about possession at the top of the show. If he wants any kind of possession in the middle of the pitch, it must come from Ericsson, not Bruno. Because Bruno still gives the ball away in silly places at times. But if Bruno gives the ball away in the number 10 position, you're all right. You're not going to concede goals because of it. Yeah. Ericsson's very intelligent, isn't he? It's nice to see that. Uh, yeah. His bit brain of... is like this yeah. big. That's what you see. Everyone else's brain is in there. His brain is there. And you actually kind of feel it, the vibe coming off him on a football pitch. You think, yeah, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's like a surgeon on the football pitch. Yes. Very glad to have Christian Ericsson at the football club. We'll see how his uh, season pans out. I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot more intelligent passes like we saw the other day. Bruno Fernandes, you did say there, um, gives the ball away a lot. A couple of important passes uh, and contributions to the goals the other day as well. But 
any anyone in particular do you want to talk about the rest of the midfield? Because I think Scott McTominay is looking like he has some instruct instructions now and is benefiting from it, keeping Casemiro out of the team. Yeah. Uh as it happens, <laughs> Real Madrid's decorated five Champions League winner. Uh Bruno Fernandez as well, playing a, a lot better than he has been. Yeah. Uh making key contributions. And then uh we talked Ronaldo, we've talked Marcus Rashford. Anyone you in particular you want to talk about, Rob? I think we'll touch on Bruno because I think when you look at the goals that United scored against Arsenal, when he is the guy on the front foot and initiating that part of the attack, he's really valuable. When he is running around and ghosting around the midfield and trying to pick up the ball in the left back position and at number six and and trying to trying to be in areas that I don't really want Bruno Fernandes to be, he just looks like half the player, doesn't he? So I, I think when you look at Bruno, his performances have definitely gone through the roof under Ten Hag. You just talked about Scotty. I think Scott McTominay again is kind of rubbing a lot of people's faces in it now because he's showing that he can play football with a decent manager behind him. You know, he's keeping Casemiro out, but I do, do think Casemiro will be the starter in the not-so-distant future. And you're just seeing, I think, across the board, look at Delo, a better fullback this year because he's got someone helping him to do to do those things. Varane just looks like Varane, doesn't he? He says, the Varane we bought, this is what we wanted. They're all doing their job, Scott. Every one of them. There's not one of them that you can kind of pick out and say, oh, that, there's, they're a problem in this team at the moment. You've got 11 players who are seriously motivated to perform and win football matches. And then you think in the context of, because potential rotation could happen in Europa League, maybe yeah. there'll be wholesale changes. I'm not, not There will sure be. I, th- I think there'll player. be changes. I think there'll be a lot of changes. I, I, I don't think United will, will just like make 11 changes, but this is where you use Europa League, isn't it? You use it to give players minutes who are not getting the minutes in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, Luke, Luke Shaw, you think of the likes of Luke Shaw... Harry Maguire, Donny van der Beek, Donny van der Beek. They've now seen the other lot perform to levels much higher than they have been performing in yeah. the past year or so. Longer, longer than that. And now they're like, well, I'm going to have to hit those levels to get my place back. Otherwise, I'm sitting on the bench for God knows how long. And that's the way life should be in football. That's the way it should be. It should be really simple. It's like, if he's playing better than me, that's why he's starting. That's why I'm not starting. So it shouldn't be about who's got the biggest contract. It shouldn't be about who's got the most Instagram followers. It shouldn't be who's the captain, who's not the captain. It shouldn't be about any of those things. It should be about who can help the manager win games. So I think we will see um, a, a decent amount of changes to the team. Because now you have to go and look after Ericsson, don't you? You have to say, Crystal Palace, coming up at the weekend, is a more important game for three points than anything to do with the Europa League. You just have to be like that. So therefore you have to take those players out that you've hammered now in the Premier League and look after them. You saw in the match against Arsenal, like uh, Martinez kind of went off with a, with a slight injury. You saw that Rashford went off with a slight injury. Rashford looked dead in the second mm-hmm. half. He was running so much. He looked like he'd run into a brick wall and a brick wall had fallen on top of him. Um, and uh, and you'll find out that all these players just will not play in the Europa League. You just cannot. You've got to give them a few days rest. Yeah, I'm I'm actually looking at the team now and obviously we know that Casemiro hasn't played a game yet but I yeah. actually think they're really missing Anthony Martial as well. Yeah. You know, I I, I actually do. I know that Rashford uh just before we round off, I did, I did just want to make a point on Rashford. What do you make of his performance overall because he obviously took the headlines, didn't get man of the match. That was that was Ericsson. But he scored the two goals, one of them uh from Ericsson, one of them from Bruno and set up Anthony how do you feel his process is going at the moment? Because 
he did struggle at times with his back to goal, I noticed, because the likes of William Saliba did generally have the better of him when United were under the cost possession-wise. And United couldn't really get a foothold because they couldn't play off Rashford. Uh, but he's relied on what he's good at and what he knows he's good at. And that is getting in behind defences when the opportunity allows. And it's, it's good to see him smiling and confident again, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it totally. And, and, and it's more important to do one or two things really well that help you win a football match. And I keep saying that kind of rhetoric than do eight things average. It really is. So then you've got players behind you to do some of the average work, you know, some of the more the more kind of monotonous stuff. But I think with Marcus, the big word for me with him always is productivity. When you have a productive Marcus Rashford, you have a player that's 10 times more dangerous than the one that we saw last year. And I think there were factors for it with Marcus last year. I think he was coming back from an injury. Um, obviously, lots of change at the football club. Uh, Marcus is a leader at the football club, but he's, he's kind of more of a... A spiritual leader. He's like the Pope at Man United, isn't he? You know, rather than I think being a dressing room talker, rather than being someone that that's gonna like be Martinez grabbing shirts and pulling people and saying, right, I want you to do this. So it's important, I think, for Marcus Rashford to be happy and to be doing his job and doing it in the way that he's doing it at the moment. I think the central channel suits him. It means you can drift left and right and center. It means that you can kind of do that stuff. You talked about Anthony Martial there. This Man United team should be even better with Martial at the night because mm-hmm. yeah. Martial will play better with his back to goal. Martial knows the channel like it's the back of his hand. He can go left. He can go right. He can go short. He can do all those things. And I think this is why this year United haven't you know, broke the bank to go and get a top-line centre-forward. They looked at the other positions that they felt were more needy at the moment. Now, it might be a case that January comes, Scott. We're doing a podcast and we're saying Martial scored three goals. Rashford's done nothing since then. You need to go out and buy Osman. You need to go and buy it now. Go get him because you need to score goals. I kind of feel we won't be saying that. I think I think when we're looking at the system and how they're playing, these players have got more than enough to help Man United win football matches. So uh, now I'm pleased for Marcus. You know, I think he's, he's got a lot of uh, a lot of flack over the last six to twelve months. Some of it deserved in terms of his performances, but I think overall. Some of the rubbish some Man United fans talk about Marcus Rashford. It's just like you, you, they treat him like something on the bottom of their shoe and it's really not the way we should be supporting these boys. Good to see him happy and smiling again. I wrote about him on thatimin.com as well. You can check that out if you yeah. so wish. Uh, any final thoughts, Rob? We've been rambling on for 51 minutes about one game, really. Uh, and we, we won't go too much into depth about the Europa League because obviously maybe we'll do a bit on Friday about what we what we saw uh, after the Thursday night's game and then look ahead to Crystal Palace. But anything you want to round off with, Rob? No, I just think happy footballers are winning footballers. It kind of goes round in a circle. And I think that these this Man United team are clearly happy with this coach in the early days. And the great thing is, even though he's telling them to work hard and push harder... There's no steam around it. There's nothing, there's nothing coming off it that you're going, I'm not sure about that. Why are they doing that? Why are they thinking that? Why is that happening? It just feels very cohesive today, doesn't it? It feels like they're together. And if, you, if you're together after, what, four, five, six games of a season and you're going into the cup competitions, I think you're in a really, really good position. And now it's up for the rest of the wider squad to step up, isn't it? It's up now to Donny van der Beek to bang on the door and say, well, boss, you know me from Ajax. I'm going to do some Ajax stuff. I'm going to push those players in the in the midfield 
for a starting position. So it's up to those players now to show Ten Hag that they're more viable than just being bench fodder. Wonder if uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's interview that he promised will be coming out as initially planned. <laughs> I, I can write it now. I can literally write it. I love United. I've you know I've loved the club my whole life. I didn't really want to leave. It doesn't really matter what he says, does it? I think what's more important is his body language and what he does on a football pitch. On a football pitch, and I think it was good just for that twenty minutes against Arsenal. So it's only twenty minutes, so I'm not going to go mad about it. Twenty minutes. He looked like he was enjoying being a Man United player again. Just for 20 minutes. So let's see some more of that, Cristiano. Maybe he will make his Europa League debut at 37 years old. Yeah. Uh, later this <laughs> week, we'll see. Uh, not the place he wants to be, and United don't want to be in the Europa League either. Yeah. But uh, things are looking up. Can I write a new stat for Cristiano? New stats saying European goals rather than Champions League goals, yes. Europa goals. So if he scores 20 goals in Europa this year, then he'll have scored more than Messi. So he'll be all right with that. Of course. Uh, right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll wrap it up there. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays. So hit the like button on this video. Leave a comment for us. Are you happy? As a United fan, we hope you are because we're a bit happier than just even just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, hit the like button, join the community, subscribe, leave a comment, as I just said. And the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on Apple, Google, Spotify, or whatever. And get in touch with us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. Rob, thanks very much. Uh, I hope you have a good week. Hope United come through relatively unscathed in the Europa League and then we can talk about that and what happens on Thursday night and look ahead to Sunday on Friday's show so thank you very much Robin thank you very much for everyone for listening when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping Kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week you can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time Kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.